Welcome to the DLR Library Podcast, Need to Read. Recommended reads from those in the know. Okay, my name is Hayley, I work in DLR Libraries, and today I'm here with Jennifer Gannon, a journalist, freelance journalist and uh, culture commentator, would you say? Let's say that, okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> As maybe just tell me a little bit about yourself and, and what you work on or what you like to write about? Um, I basically write a lot about pop culture. I started off mostly writing about music and pop music and then moved into TV um, because I'm addicted to TV and mostly and then kind of focused on reality TV. So I did have a column in the Irish Times, a weekly column about reality TV, but that's gone now. So I mostly write about, you know, just current TV stuff and then I review TV on with Matt Cooper on The Last Word and then I do a lot of chats about just general pop culture on 2FM as well. What are you watching anything good at the Oh my god I'm watching everything that's the that's the sad part about it because then you, you have to watch stuff and then you're not you're unhappy uh, because you're not you have to actually analyze it. Um, and the last great TV show I watched was Succession. You're oh, going to yeah. say everyone <clears throat> is going to say that. At the moment. Yeah, yeah. It well, is I'm the only best. Two episodes in, but it's really good. It's it's too good. And like the the best thing about it is, I think if you think of it as a black comedy, because it's the guy that wrote uh, Peep Show, so it's oh. him kind of trying to put like a black comedy mold over drama. That's the way I think of it, and that's how I enjoy it more because. Everybody's hateful in it, They're so you, really horrible. yeah, yeah you don't mind bad things happening to them. Boy is, is I, he's my favorite, <laughs> which is terrible. He's, every time I do like a personality quiz of who are you in succession, I always get him. So I'm like, I, we're meant to be together. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had a little um, scroll through Twitter, and, and would you say you're you're a mild <laughs> Timothy Chalamet fan? <laughs> oh my god, I love him. It's terrible. I call him the marble fawn. Uh, because there's Grey Gardens, the documentary. They're, this, this, they're going on about this guy who was working in their garden and the Marble Fawn was this book um, by, who was it, who did The Scarlet Letter? Okay. Um, I should know I that. Should know that Hawthorne. Yeah. Um, so there's this book called The Marble Fawn about this romance and they kept on calling the gardener The Marble Fawn. And I was like, that's what Timothy Chalamet is like for me. He's like this... I'm, it's terrible. I, I haven't felt like this sounds so ridiculous. If he feels like the kind of teen, like he's not a teen, but like teen star that yeah, you would you have. Had when you were had a question, and I think yeah, I like a Johnny Depp when I, I was think, little. I think he's done something to a lot of women. <laughs> <laughs> like it's. I remember when I first saw "Call Me by Your Name," which I think is. Astounding. I just was blown away. I loved that. That was one of my favourite films. Was it last year or the year before? A couple of years ago. And I felt really quite sad after for days. Mm. And I was like, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I was like, what, you know, am I in love with Timothy Chalamet? It's like, like, welcome. Welcome to the world of the Chalamaniacs. But I think what I kind of thought was maybe it's just the... Um, he evokes that the kind of intensity of, of the love story and mm. that the crush you had when you're when you were younger and, and the kind of waiting around he does for yeah army hammer army hammer yeah it's kind of the pre phones obviously and 
I think it just it just sums up that kind of lovely that longing and I love that bit in it where he is he can hear him and he runs to his desk to kind of pretend that he wasn't just sitting around waiting for him and it's not even him it's actually the housekeeper comes in you can tell that little disappointment in him but I think he's really good at um physicality and he like he's really natural and the way that he moves on screen is a field like everything feels very natural and the way that a a boy of that age would behave or move and I think that's really genius the way he does it yeah he just that's what I was thinking of that little slidey dance movement yeah yeah yeah. and I don't think I think everyone's sort of falling in love with him yeah you better not do anything wrong this is the problem because we have him on such a terribly high pedestal that if he does anything or says anything out of line he will be crushing so many people I mean the king didn't get Great no, I it's it. fine. I mean, um, Robert Pattinson is actually better in it. He has this cameo where he steals the show as this French Dauphin. And it's almost like he's passing the baton to Timothée Chalamet going, you are the new heir to the teen throne, you know, which is gas. He's trying um, his hardest to... He shed that, that. Yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah, although I did see the Dior ad. That yeah, which is weird. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah. It's very... And I I just thought, you know, he's rejecting all of that and he wants to be in stuff like High Rise, uh, High Life, sorry, and The Lighthouse and stuff and be grizzly and and then he's in this really weird, shiny Durad. Well, I guess, you know, he got the looks, I guess. He's trying a bit of everything. Yeah. Get that check. Yeah, exactly. Uh, So we're... We are kind of here today to talk about Timothy a little bit. Yes. Because we're, we're here to talk about Little Women. That, yes. Um, uh, ironically, our mutual friend Louisa from Raven Books um, realised that we both were obsessed with it <laughs> and put us together. And the book, obviously, Louisa May Alcott. Little oh. There. Um, so what, tell me maybe what, about when you saw the film or were you um, the book before? I loved the book when I was growing up because... It was one of those books, like, I loved Jane Eyre as well. So I liked anything when I was, like, around 10 or 11, discovered it. Um, When I wanted to read stuff about girls just being more independent and having agency, and those were the kind of books that attracted me uh, to me. And I I think everyone loves Jo at a certain age. Um, You just feel like she's the most righteous one or whatever, but... When I was reading the book, I, growing up, I identified so much with Amy, but I felt like I couldn't because she was so annoying and everyone like hated her in the yeah. book and the way she was described as like being really spoiled and silly. And, you know, Joe was the antithesis of that. She was like the hero. And I wanted to be more like Joe. But as I got older, the more I realized I am more like Amy. And that's why I was so glad with this film that um, Greta Gerwig is really you know, redefining who Amy is as a character. So I went to see the film. Um, <clears throat> actually, I'd seen the film before, the, the 1994 one first, with Winona Ryder and uh, Kirsten Dunst and Claire Danes, an amazing cast, Susan Sarandon. Oh, my God, it was so good. Um, I went to see that in the cinema. And I remember being really moved by it. I cried so much when Beth dies in that one because Claire Danes, as we know, is a brilliant cry face. Oh, okay. Yeah. And when she cries, you just cannot stop yourself from crying. Yeah. So I actually think Florence Pugh is taking the baton then in the film. She doesn't yeah. cry, but she's a very good... She's a great emotive face. She's really, like, when she looks so um, offended when Laurie yeah. suggests that he, they might 
be romantic. She just start her. She does the Claire Danes. Yeah, the the wobbling <laughs> lower lip. I don't even know yeah. how they do that. But uh, yeah, I really love the 1994 one because um, Winona Ryder was massive. Like in when we were growing up, me and my yeah, sister. Right. Yeah, we shared. A, I shared a room with my sister, who's four years older than me. And we just had our walls were just covered with posters of like Johnny Depp, Winona Ryder, Keanu Reeves. So it's very zeitgeisty, that 94 Little Women. And this one I was kind of going, oh God, what is Greta Gerwig going to do? And I was worried. But then when I knew it was Saoirse Ronan and Timothée Chalamet, I was like, okay, she knows how to work with these guys because Lady Bird was brilliant. And she knows teen girls. She knows the girl mindset really well I was like why am I so worried about this that's going to be great so I went to see it in the lighthouse with my sister who I'd seen the 94 one with and my friend who like childhood we've known each other since we were six um so it's a really nice group of people to see it with and the cinema was amazing because it was full of grannies and mams and their daughters and it was just gorgeous. And at the end of it, there was a spontaneous round of applause, which I've never yeah. witnessed in a, at, at a film before. And I just, that was really touching for yeah. me. It, it's, it, I think it does bring that out of people. I went with my sister and my mum, and my mum strangely didn't really like that much, but my, okay. me and my sister, I couldn't look at her. Yeah. <laughs> at the end, I, we, were, we kind of turned to each other and we were like, I was like, I can't speak. That's we it. Wait a minute. We gotta wait a minute because it was so emotional. The build up at the end. Yeah. I just I find it just so good in so many ways. Like just the sense of sisterhood in all its meanings. Yeah. Um, the nostalgia, the 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 whole meta scene and the way she, the finesse and the way she edited it. Yeah. Leading up. I just was getting chills. I just loved the, the ending of it. Yeah, I really adored that, and I think I cried more at the ending of that than Beth dying which was weird because yeah. usually I'm just like inconsolable but it was more the power of that the point that you're leading up to with Joe and the book because it's about it's the work that's what I loved about yeah it's about creativity and it's about the work the work is the most important thing that it made me cry even more like yeah. that speech where <laughs> she does like and they show it all the time now everywhere and it makes me cry oh, it's her voice yeah like, is it the one where she's saying I'm sick of it I'm yeah sick of it. I'm so lonely. Oh, <laughs> Kills me. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was crying last night because I was looking up these yeah. things for this. And it had the same effect on me. Yeah, so, me too. Yeah. Even when they showed it when she was nominated for the Oscar. Sorry, this is just going to be a podcast of us crying. <laughs> um, uh, when she was nominated for the Oscar and they showed the segment and they showed it in the segment, I started to tear up immediately. Really? Yeah, yeah, I don't think she seemed seen that clip yet it's so but, powerful but I'm just I was so angry that she just didn't win that Oscar yeah, yeah. she was amazing yeah it? I think her and Florence Florence Pugh, Pugh is like, she's, stunning she's so good I've at never it. seen her in anything before she's amazing I, I really want to see Mid, Midsummer. yeah I do think I think it's her um, her ambition really Joe's ambition yeah. um her kind of feistiness but also how she is she can be quite selfish as well and mm. like the, I think this, the dynamic of the sisters was really good and I think that's what made me kind of emotional as well like the, I have two sisters so yeah me too um you have different relationships with all of them and that's it's the same with the film Hannah and her sisters they just sort of capture what yeah. that's like uh, when you if anyone who has a couple of siblings knows how the dynamics play out and I and there's like this idealism uh in Joe like she's taken, she takes herself very, very seriously. Um, but there's all, like there is that idealism that things will change for her 
true her determination or true her ambition, which is, I mean, I think it's a, a really nice message, a, a good message to have. And I know a lot of people were up in arms, like purists, like book purists, um, weren't happy with the, they kind of were saying it's more like lean in feminism in in this film than in the book because of the way she changes the marriage end of things like with the professor and um, that there is a big narrative change and the fact that like they were saying that there's not enough concentration on the civil war parts um but I like that she streamlined it into a kind of point because I, I think it makes it more powerful, it makes it way more powerful yeah. than, than the last film which I did like as well but yeah and I think I think she was doing it out, out of a tribute to Louisa May Alcott as well because it's what she w- kind of wanted for for mm. the character. She wanted Joe to be a spinster yeah. who wrote children's books and she didn't want to marry her off and have kids because mm. that she didn't do that in her real life. But interesting, I, interestingly, I um, I didn't know that there was the book Little Men. Yeah, <laughs> neither I did I. <laughs> I was kind of shocked and, and for taken aback and a little bit disappointed and then I then I kind of looked into it and she had a very interesting relationship with her father like he he was um and sort of very idealistic and he wanted to open his own school for boys and he was sort of anti-religion but he, he had these sort of hopes for this school that he just couldn't do and I think it, like his a lot of the way he lived his life had a big effect on her and she had to like write to support the family and okay. She says of that book, Little Men, um, which I think redeems it because you kind of wanted her just to leave it at Little Women, yeah, and not like that's have, it. open a school for boys. And then because as she said, we'll always be interested. And I yeah. love that line where yeah. it's like, you know, you can't get married because like men, men are boring like, and women yeah. will always be interesting. Like, so that's, yeah. that, that to me is the key of the entire film because yeah. I always feel like that. Yeah. <laughs> in general, in life, <laughs> men have to step up their game. They're not interested. Okay. So they, but she kind of, it's, I think Greta giving her that tribute is, is she does that for her dad. So she said of that book that she wrote, mm. Little Men, she said it was a childish fiction, childish fiction of the daughter playing grateful, the grateful part of the herald to the wise and beautiful truths of her father. So she, I don't even think she wanted to really write it, but yeah. she, she, made, she felt she like she had to. And also, she had like girls writing to her, going, "Who's Joe going to marry?" and all this kind of stuff. So society was like, and her and her publisher as well, telling her you have to marry her off. So, yeah. So she had the intentions there, and I think that Greta sort of focused in on that, like you say, and it made it more powerful. Yeah, and I like, you know, the fact that it is like a world almost free from men because they were all off, you know, in the war. Um, thanks and all that <laughs> but like <laughs> it's gorgeous the way that Laurie as a lonely boy um, just loves them and wants to be uh, he, not only does he want to be part of the family he wants to be a sibling he wants to be a sister like yeah, you can tell that he wants he's to sort of sneak in and just be there and not yeah. really like He's very not androgynous. Affect the mood or not change it by his stature. Or That's it, or change it by his masculinity. So yeah. that's why he's kind of, for me, like at the beginning, he's quite androgynous. Um, and, you know, the, the, that kind of feeds into the dressing up, um, acting. You know, there is a lot of costume and um, almost cosplay. And you can feel like that he's... He's no, he's not a a boy or a girl um, yeah. to them. He's he looks just like Laurie. He's bored in his own house when he's standing on the chair and he's yeah. meant to be having his lessons and he's looking at the window. 
he has to be very austere and serious in yeah, his life. Yeah, and that's and not him. Yeah, like, yeah. And I like that. And I like that, you know, obviously the name, you know, it, it can it, it's feminine and masculine. And I loved that yeah. about it, that he was so, as a young boy, so attracted to the power and excitement and fun of these girls. And you don't usually get that in books or films about women at this time, especially because they're supposed to behave in a certain they're way. reacting to the men. Yeah. He's observing them, really. Exactly. And it's like, now that they're free, almost free from the constraints of what men represent or what women represent in society at the time, they can be their total selves. Um, and I, I, I love that about it because I think there is so much joy in it. Like, a lot of the scenes are just kind of them running around and falling all over the place or pushing each other, you know, being very physical with each other. And that scene where they go to the house... Uh, to Laurie's house and after um, Amy is standing outside the window um, and they all come over to the house and they are so noisy, they're so loud and when they get rid of them you can see he's sad that they're gone. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's delighted that he had like that magic that they have, that you know, uh, just crazy wildness about them that he admires. That, and you don't normally see. You down to the sort of the matriarch as well. She allowed yeah. them to be themselves and to express themselves and kind of. I don't think. Well, in the film anyway, she doesn't seem to influence them too much. No. She lets each character kind of do their own thing. Yeah. And just guides them, and and the fact that she says as well, "I'm angry every day." Like it's, they're not all mm. perfect characters, and the same for the the men. That they're, they're, while they are kind of sort of backgrounds um, to the, the girls, they're all lovely characters. They're all yeah. like, you understand each character, they, she is forgiving mm. to them as well. Yeah. I just, yeah, I just, um, it's, it's all about compromise. That's the thing. I think the whole story itself, it's about not wanting to compromise, obviously, as Joe, but then realising, like Meg and Amy, funnily enough, that the compromises have to be made to survive. And that's, the saddest thing about it, I think, when you're watching how they go from this lively pack of girls who are so wild and free to slowly ebbing away and, and having to, their minds having to turn to responsibility with Meg having to get married and uh, living, you know, a life close to poverty um, and really adult feelings mm. that it ebbs away at their creativity. And I think that's the really the loss because you see. Joe is, you know, obviously devastated the loss of Beth. They're devastated about losing her, but it's the loss of Meg as well mm. when she gets married. It's childhood. Yeah. Like that scene at the end where the, the great build scene when it flashes back to them cheersing their little yeah. as kids. And that made me really emotional just for my childhood. Like, I just exactly. feel like it's the growing up and having to make those decisions. And I'm really glad that when Laurie... And I, I suppose we're just presuming anyone listening has seen the film. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler. I said <laughs> Beth dies about 20 <laughs> times. <laughs> um, when Joe finds out that Laurie's married um, Amy, I'm so glad that they did, like, she didn't, like, rush back. I mean, she did rush to get the letter, but she didn't, it wasn't overly dramatic. She just yeah. had a moment by herself, tore up the letter, threw it into the river, and sort of, you know, composed yourself yeah, yeah. And, and, and it could have been done really dramatically which it, ha it has been portrayed dramatically yeah. before um, I thought that was lovely 
and also I like the way that they didn't over dramatize Beth dying the Beth death sequence she's because so yeah what I mean that's she's she's yeah. but I like that bit where it's like it's harkening back to the first time when she was ill and um Joe runs down the stairs and she's at the breakfast table and that's that joyous relief but then the second time when she runs down the stairs it's just Marmy sitting there and and that's that's actually really affecting I think like just the empty place setting and the fact that like that naivety that hope that she had as a child the first time, that's gone. It's replaced by reality. This girl was sick, my sister was sick, she is going to die. Mm-hmm. Like, and that reinforces it, I think, just by having the empty chair and seeing her mother's face and going, okay, this is reality now, you know. And dedicating the book, like, Beth yeah. saying, write it for me, like, that was just, oh. yeah. <laughs> yeah, so now I'm going to cry again. <laughs> but I did find, the only thing I found a bit weird about that scene was, why was... Beth not in the room when she woke up. Like, where was the, her yeah, body gone? That's and did they true. take her out while, while she was sleeping? Was sleeping. Would yeah. Did they not give her a chance to, to say goodbye? Yeah. Or maybe they, I don't know, moved her to a different room. Yeah. But I did like, I mean, because I, I think you can overdo it yeah. on the Beth, like, passing yeah. away sequence. Like, it can just be very, it's yeah. rich for, like, over dramatics. And I think yeah. by dialing it down, like the way that she did it's subtle and and I found it more affecting because I didn't want because I think if you're used to it like you've read the book and you've seen the other films you're kind of waiting for it and it it makes it anxiety too much and it's not her fault yeah the way they edited it but it's she's too pious or something yeah exactly she's almost saint like yeah and like I don't because I I like the realism of the relationships between the sisters Mm -hmm. because I do think it's very you know like Joe doesn't hate Amy for marrying Laurie because she knows that wasn't what they have. And I think that's really important to show those kind of things where like a lot of art, and especially if it's art about women written by men, they don't understand those dynamics of the female relationships with sisters and they, they almost want to make them hate each other and that's the end of it. And that's women are just like them. that. Yeah. yeah. And they're Whereas not. They're, they're really supportive of each other in this. It's so uplifting to see them. Yeah holding each other up you know yeah and like that kind of but also that humor that comes from you know growing up together and being together all the time um when like something so destructive as when amy burns joe's manuscript and the apology is the most insincere thing i've ever seen it's so funny because i know what that's like because i've been in that position i've been the annoying little sister who's Mm -hmm. done terrible things and when everybody is you know you have to apologize and you're being made apologize and it means nothing to you you just don't want anyone to be angry with you anymore to be genuine but she was like i wanted to hurt you yeah exactly you wouldn't let me go to the theater with you you. yeah (laughs) And, and and also you kind of feel like, because she knows, because she's like, well, you don't even like Laurie and I want to go and, and be with you guys because I like him, mm-hmm. you know, and that feeling of really being like, life is so unfair because I'm the youngest and I never get to do anything. Oh, yeah. That yeah. I just think Florence Pugh is so good at capturing that yeah. um, because she's not, a she is a brat, but she's not, um, you, you empathise, you can yeah. empathise with her. I mean, her character does the best arc, like, she's yeah. just so wise. And mm. I think really good for, for Timmy, yeah. <laughs> Larry. Um, I, think, I think it's really sweet when he says, that she, she calls him my lord and there's a yeah. little smile. But like, I think 
they sort of maybe see each other a lot better. Oh, a hundred percent. Also, can I just say her reaction to seeing him at the start of the film when they're in Paris and they're in the carriage, she's in the carriage with uh, Meryl Streep. That is every woman, right-headed woman's reaction to seeing Timothee Chalamet walking down the street, which is like, stop the carriage, it's Laurie. I was like, yes, that's exactly the kind of introduction you want in a film of your heartthrob. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, Yeah. And that's another thing of the female gaze that, you know, I think if it was a male director... Actually, first of all, a male director would not want to direct little women. We just mm-hmm. know that, first of all. Mm-hmm. They just don't care. Yeah. So, but I think well, she's, like, she's so good at seeing yeah. like, her vision for what the way that a, a woman's mind like, works visually or yeah. is brilliant, yeah, Greta Gerwig. Really. So. And I think that's why it resonated with us so much because we just we feel seen or something. Yeah. And, and, and it's even hard to articulate. You, you're just like, yes, yes. this is it like (laughs) but we're not it's still like we're not seen in the way that like you know it was shut out completely for best director at the Oscars and I I feel like and there was this they always do this thing in the Hollywood Reporter where they interview um, members of the Academy anonymously and a lot of male uh, Academy members were like oh I don't understand the timeline it was very confusing (laughs) it's like it's you guys loved Inception and stuff and whatever. Like, it's not confusing. <laughs> it's not confusing. And it's, it's really clever. I just feel like th- there's still a problem in this day and age that we still don't want to reward stories about women mm. just being dom- like a domestic life of women or just their normal life or their interior lives. Mm. There's still a problem with that. Well, I was, um, I did read something uh, lovely online and um, it kind of made me think about like, how are we. Are, are boys given this book to read when they're younger mm. or is it just girls or I know in America it's probably standard reading in school but um, there's a journalist online Scarlett Curtis and she also um, wrote she writes that book um, Feminist Don't yeah. Wear Pink she's friends with Sir Roman is she? yeah oh I didn't know that <laughs> uh, but she said she um, she wrote a poem about it after seeing it she was so inspired so when we were lying awake thinking about it she, she was too she said she went with her brothers and her dad and they didn't know anything about the story and they were just blown away and so she went home and wrote this poem because it was kind of made me think about how you know they can enjoy the story but they're just not taught that they are they're be not allowed to almost yeah so this is her lovely little poem um it's called my brothers have not read little women We sailed to Treasure Island, became Lord of the Flies. We saw ourselves in Holden Sea, damaged, sad and wise. We gave our time to Oliver, our hearts to Spider-Man. Followed Charlie to the factory, took flight with Peter Pan. Your words are universal, your characters are true. Your stories transcend gender, but women write books too. So it was really sweet. That is, I mean, and it's true because, you know, we're those classics that are pushed into your hands when you're growing up mostly have male protagonists and mm. I mean I guess as I said like I mean I loved Jane Eyre I was obsessed with that and I was obsessed with Wuthering Heights but yeah. you know they're very much seen as women's fiction yeah. and I don't think I ever I don't think I've ever been in a relationship or a, like ever had a boyfriend that had said oh I loved Jane Eyre like she was you know one of my fave characters it just doesn't happen and I think it's sad and I think it's really sad and telling that on 
Christmas Eve, because the film came out on Christmas Day in America, because I don't know, Americans love going to the cinema on Christmas Day. It's really weird. So odd. But Thanksgiving's there. Yeah, maybe so, actually, yeah. Uh, but Timothy Chalamet basically went on Twitter on Christmas Eve when he should be like wrapping his presents or whatever and did a big PR blitz saying, hey, is everybody going to hype to see Little Women? Because they were so afraid mm. that no one was going to go and see this, mm. which is so sad. Um, and it's actually made a fortune worldwide now. It mm. surpassed all their expectations, uh, which is brilliant. So people actually did come out, go out and see it. But I, I am concerned, as I said, in the in the way that the cinema that I saw it in was just full of women. Mm. <laughs> there was no men to be seen. And it's like, mm. if if this keeps happening, as in, they, I don't think they'd well, they want need, to... I, mean, yeah, I guess it just keep... It, there's, more, there's more coming out now. We just need to have more material where yeah. there's just more women than men and it's normal to see that on mm. the screen. And then it might become more the norm, but it's... it's or I think we're concentrating on the wrong thing. Um they're trying to hand female directors or ask or want female directors to direct these big superhero films to prove like, oh, they can put it up to the men. And these films almost always flop, like say the new Birds of Prey, that new film and uh, the new Charlie's Angels. They're both directed by women, both starring, you know, big female cast. They're both have been voted down on Rotten Tomatoes and, totally torn apart like uh, in it those made a thing that they circle were directing it maybe or, yeah and I think that's the thing like that we're not focusing on like we don't need to these are not our stories we don't really need to tell these superhero stories we're maybe we're better off telling our own stories like something like Little Women and that's how people respond they, they, they don't have that fan base where it's kind of misogynistic which you know the superhero kind of fan base is unfortunately and um, we don't need to break that ground in there when we can just be telling our own stories and we should just carry on doing that instead maybe yeah and, and Greta's really championing that for yeah. us I think definitely I, I really felt just aside from loving the film I felt it was so, so she's so competent you just really mm. got the sense of someone was in control of what they were doing with that film, I just think, as well as with like um, Phoebe Waller Bridge, yeah, the two of them, I just they, they're just to stand out directors yeah. for me at the moment, um, and also very encouraging and inspiring. Mm. Um, there was behind the scene footage of Little Women when they were filming, and she was showing Sersha how to mm. work the camera and watched the rushes and Saoirse was like, oh, this is actually, you know, a lot more work than I actually thought it was going to be. And then kind of said, you know, in interviews later on, yes, I, I would love to direct a film. And Greta was like correcting her going, no, you're going to direct a film. That's it. And yeah, I think that's what's really important about, you know, something like this film where it, the emphasis is on women being creative and how that should never leave you even if you are tied up with responsibilities and moving on and getting married or having children you know men don't stop their creativity so why should women and I think that's a big point of this I've heard young girls to see that and to see that to to follow your passion yeah but it's it's about like you know she it's after she has that whole showdown with Laurie when she's saying you know marriage has to be an economic proposal for a woman to survive and she can only be the mediocre painter that she wants to be if she has the money to back it up because women aren't safe 
And I think, you know, she has, she says in the book, you know, um, I don't pretend to be wise, but I'm observant. And I think that's the really important thing about Amy. She's watching everything and she's watching how society behaves and how her role, what her role is in society. Um, and she's kind of saying, you know, I'm the final one here. Joe can go off and do whatever she wants, uh, but I, we all can't do that. Or we and, all... her aunt, and her aunt, Meryl Streep, um, yeah. sees that, that strength in her and see, or sees that, you know, that that's what you have to do. And yeah. that's the time they're in. And it's like, yeah, you know, it, it's she is romantically in love with Laurie, which is great that they they do end up together. And he's meant it, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So she's grand. She can paint all your stuff you want. You're fine, Amy. I did. I read that um, the way the script was written because you know how they all talk over each other. Yeah. So they have the Greta had the little dashes. So when, mm. when you see the dash, that's when you sort of come in with your next line. So because it, it can. I thought in the previous film it was a little bit annoying, but it didn't feel as yeah. staged in this. It felt quite, quite natural. natural. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it did. Um, and I like that. I just like that they're overly communicative because that's what it's like growing up. I grew up in a house full of women, like, so there was no men. And that was what it was like. You were, you were always over-verbalising um, everything mm. and maybe not like a, not in an emotional way but like a, you know sometimes in an emotional way if someone was stealing your clothes i.e. me <laughs> I would yeah, raid yeah. my sister's wardrobes yeah and yeah. that I like that that it's not that they are so uh, in like they're they're so verbalized like they're so they're, because you notice the difference as I said before like about the, the quiet the deathly quietness mm -hmm. in Laurie's house compared to the absolute burst of energy in their house because they can't sit still it's like they can't because they are acutely aware that the war will end and the men will all come back it's like they're trying they to fit in every yeah. bit of life they can into these couple of years yeah. uh, which and is did, and great Amy didn't want a real boy in the in the no <laughs> in the in the play group. Um, I, one of the nicest things I read about the film was, which makes this day end scene even better, um, and I already love it, was when when Saoirse Ronan's character Joe is looking through at the book. Mm. Apparently they were playing David Bowie on set, Moon Age Daydream. Daydream. Yes, they wanted, they, Greta gave her a few choices of songs to sort of get her, because they didn't need the sound from that shot. Um so that's what she's listening to when she's trying to... Oh, that's amazing. I didn't know Look that. at the book. But when we were crying, that's yeah. what, that, the background <laughs> noise. And I love that song. So but I do, and I love that idea of how pleasurable that is to see all her hard work, you mm. know, just come together. Mm. Um, and I, you know, and I loved seeing that in the film. For the whole extent of the film, I love when you see Joe's hands are always covered in ink and she, her hands are cramping up and she's swapping the pen and be dexterous, which was nice. Mm. Um, but I just loved that hard work that, that goes into it. She has that when her writer did really well too. Yeah, that kind of pent up energy and just, just like yeah, just so much ambition she couldn't even like keep it in. Mm. You know, um, and I love that's the way it ends. It ends on. It's something so inspiring, and I, you know, it's it's nice to feel that that was kind of echoing what maybe Greta felt as well, like all this hard work mm. that I've tried to piece together. Because, I mean, I really feel taking on board something that is so 
integral, like this text, like almost sacred text, and messing around with it, you know, which she did do, that she did deserve, you know, some kind of recognition for adapted mm. screenplay because I think the work that she did on that yeah. is astonishing um, and made she it ends, her own. It feels hopeful because it's ending at the beginning of, yeah. of the book, mm. you know, that, that she put out into the world. It's mm. not the end of the story, it's the beginning of her career. Yeah, really, and it's just how she got there, and, and, and it's like a different birth because usually, you know, these films, like a, a lot of domestic dramas about women, will end with marriage or a woman having a baby, and it's like this is her birth, like this is mm. her child going out into the world, mm. and uh, like that just felt really moving to me, like mm. very emotional, um, and I like the way that she did mess with the professor, you know, that she didn't wasn't forced to marry him in the end, mm. even though hello. Louis Goral, yeah. who would not want to marry him. <laughs> and I love what Greta said about that because she was like, they said, uh, he's not ugly. In the book, he's supposed to be Bagus Banner's face. Well, yeah, I mean, Gabriel Byrne wasn't ugly. No, Gabriel Byrne's gorgeous. <laughs> he's one of the hottest men we have in Ireland. Yeah. But, you know, in the book, he's described as basically his face is like knuckles. <laughs> and Greta was like, well, I've sustained years of women in films who are supposed to be ugh, terrible looking and it's just they're wearing glasses and yeah. they're, they're the, like the models. New, the new Emily Dickinson show. Yeah. Um, and she was like, so yeah, I'm going to have Lewis Grell. Yeah. Why not? Why not? With all his hair. Just pick who you want. Exactly. And like, she's dead right. It's a, it's a great lineup. It is. It's a, like the cast is stacked. Um, and Bob Odenkirk, which was um, the the dad, which oh. was so I oh, know Chris Chris Cooper, Cooper sorry yeah, American yeah. Canadian yeah oh he's great. that was great yeah and so stern oh, I love him yeah. like but yeah it's it's just I mean and even Meryl the fact that Meryl is there but she's on it's like Meryl is just haunting the film yeah, <laughs> and it's yeah. in itself she's kind of given her blessing she's so much of a previous generation you can tell yeah. the way she holds herself um with her little poodle yeah and, and like it is just like she's given her blessing to the next generation of great female actresses because you know Saoirse is a mini Meryl she mm. definitely is and I can't believe we're we missed out on the opportunity to give her an award for this because this is possibly her last role of girlhood She's 25 now. She's not going to be able to play this again. They all look really young. Like in the yeah. previous film, obviously they changed Amy from Kirsten Dunst to Samantha Mathis. Mm. But these actors are, they're kind of, they can span the years. Like yeah. they're able to look young and um, older. Definitely. And yeah. Beth, whoever plays Beth, which is terrible, her name escapes me. She just looks like she was brought from the, that time. She has the... She's the face. It's the, so... Yeah. It's terrifying. <laughs> like, it is. And when they did, because they did she, daguerreotypes... She's almost like a, like a little ghost. She or, is. You can imagine her in the... <laughs> yeah. Because they did daguerreotypes of all of them yeah. for the publicity. And hers is the most yeah. striking because you do believe you're looking at like a, a history book it's it's yeah. so odd so yeah. casting is really important and I think she did you know the casting has done really well on it um yeah. no one is probably Emma except Watson. for Emma Watson <laughs> I knew we were both thinking that I was like I don't want to be mean I really but like her. I love like it I don't know you just can't not see Emma Watson sometimes I think yeah um and it was supposed to be the fact that we all know it was supposed to be Emma Stone and she had to drop oh, out. No. Um, was it? Yeah, uh, that actually makes it worse, I think, because... She's got another Emma. Yeah, she's like, oh, whatever. What, what's the next Emma on the list? Emma Roberts? No. <laughs> but also Emma Stone physically would look more like the rest of them. 
and yeah. like that's just a smaller side but like Emma Watson doesn't she's like I'm like where are these brown eyes coming from and yeah, this kind of yeah. waxy skin but we, I mean we just forgave her because she's so, she's so great it's fine and <laughs> like and, and like also Meg is a really unforgiving part I think because mm. she's almost tipping into self-righteous um yeah, and yeah. that's a hard part to play I think and yeah. if you're coming in you know I'm going to make excuses for her, but I guess if you're coming in late in a production and everybody is almost like family yeah. and you're kind of there yeah uh, that is difficult but yeah. like yeah it's fine I mean I think she's fine she doesn't ruin it it's, it's not, not bad no it's, just, it's if you had to pick I'd probably get rid of her yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> whoops um so yeah so I think it's safe to say we love it yes yes we recommend all We've I recommend a, seeing I them recommend all. Going if you, I wouldn't recommend listening to this if. Oh, if you, if you haven't, haven't gone, seen it. So yeah. this is for a mutual appreciation um, of the movie. Exactly, and I think it's nice to look back on the other versions as well, like even um, the Elizabeth Taylor version. Yeah, I, remember, um, yeah, I never. Which saw is that, but. gorgeous, but like very chocolate boxy and of its time, and just see the progression of it and how yeah. it's developed and by a woman taking the helm of yeah. this important story for women about women well mm. for men as well for humans have you seen the tv one with Emma Thurman's daughter no and I like her I, I think she's a good actress yeah. but I haven't seen it yeah no. I haven't seen it either I'm ha- well, I'm all for more adaptations mm. um there's such great, great Christmas viewing like the new Emma coming out I want to see that yeah um it's I don't know. I'm not a huge Jane Austen person, so yeah. Um, I love. I mean, Pride and Prejudice, all mm. the all those series. I watch every new one that comes out. Okay, I, <laughs> that's where we do. I don't know. I like. <laughs> I'd like them to make a Northanger Abbey. I think that was the only yeah. Jane Austen that I really liked because it, it it was funny to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think they're a, a little bit too mannered for me. No, they are, and I mean, I like gritty realism and everything like that <laughs> as well. But uh, yeah, I just I think they're really a great escapism and. and it, it, they're more often than not just sort of samey so it's mm. really nice to see this version of Little Women because I feel like it, it really surprised didn't surprise me because I, I do like Greta Gerwig um, as an actor and, and director yeah. um, but she's done something really fresh with it definitely and I think you know more of that as in we were talking like about Phoebe Waller-Bridge and I'd love to see what she would do with mm. something like a, a massive classic text like mm. in the canon um, I'd love to see that. Like, I'd love to see what her take would be on Bertha Mason if she wanted to do a Jane Eyre. Like, mm. that would be amazing. So I'd, I'd like the fact that, you know, it's getting to the stage in time, but like, it's 2020, why not? Like, have these women take on these big texts. Like, mm. it, it, I just find, like, yeah, I'd rather another Jane Eyre or another uh, incarnation of Wuthering Heights than another superhero film, put it that way. Mm-hmm. And if it gets more people to read the books themselves, then that is only a good thing. Yeah. I mean, there have been sort of dark versions of it as well. Yeah. Darker. Well, Jane Eyre is quite dark, I suppose. The Jane Eyre with Charlotte Gainsbourg is great. If anybody, yeah. I don't know who else was in that. I can never remember any Rochester's. No. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's all about Jane. Uh, the, but she's Mia great. Was yeah. In. That was a good one as well. Yeah. And th- that was um, our, our own German surname actor. Oh, I know your man directed it. That your man. No, but the guy who played—I uh, totally forgot his name—the the Irish actor. Um, Gabriel Byrne. No, no, no. <laughs> like he's, he's um. Someone is shouting right X-Men. there. What? Oh, <laughs> who's the next? See, I'm terrible with superhero he's films. In ad, he's like. Oh, you mean think? Yeah. Um. Shame. Um. Shame. Yeah. 
yeah, him. That's going to, yeah. I can see him now. There'll be a, just Fassbender. A, a Michael Fassbender. Fassbender. I was going to say Rochester in that. Was he? He was Rochester too. Yeah. Me as um, Jane. But that was directed by Kerry Fukunawa, who did True Detective. And he has yeah. a great visual eye. And I loved yeah. that film visually. I thought it was stunning. But the Moors and the, the kind of blue light. And, yeah. Um, fireplace. It's just. Yeah. It, it's such an atmospheric film it's such an atmospheric story but yeah no so that's what I think I, I think it definitely should be a move into not being afraid to adapt these things that people think are sacred be, and not to be afraid to to mess with them and I think that that shows a lot of confidence um and, contemporary issues and, and yeah and you can you know shine a new light on them exactly and I think that shows you know a lot of confidence that Greta has in the fact that you know she has something to say and um, yeah, to not be afraid to to rearrange things, and you know, it actually made it for me. Uh, it made me just look at the book completely differently again, and it kind of made me go, "Well, I'm going to go back and read it again," which is great. And little men. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll have some time for some little men. The little men, if they're all Timothee Chalamet. <laughs> Thank you very much. No for, problem. For sharing your your love for film. Thank you.